You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member FDIC. And welcome to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. Baseball season now underway. Dogs dropped two or three this past weekend at home to Long Beach State. We talked about that Monday on our Monday Whatever Show. We still haven't come up with a name yet. We'll talk about that in just a moment. We're in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Starkville. Bart Gregory, Charlie Winfield. Charlie, have you shaken the cobwebs off what we try to do on Monday night? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, look, life is about adjusting. We've adjusted. We were going to do a SEC show that was devoted just to SEC baseball, and we realized after a couple takes that it wasn't us, and it wasn't that good. And we're so we're still looking for a name for our Monday show. But, hey, here in the midweek, we always have a couple good interviews. A couple of weeks ago, we had Pat Casey and Matthew Maniscalco. Last week, we had some really good interviews with Paul Gillier, SEC coordinator of umpires, and Jim Ellis last week. Go back and listen to those shows if you haven't heard them. This week, we've got Ben McDonald with the SEC Network and Jody Hurst, who played center field for Mississippi State back in the 1980s and, of course, led Mississippi State to the SEC Tournament Championship in 1987. And once again, we're in the Farm Bureau studios in downtown Starville. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Check them out at favorites.com. They have agents in all 82 counties. The state of Mississippi, their customer service is fantastic, whether you're in the market for auto home, life insurance, whatever you need. Go with the home team at Farm Bureau. So, Charlie, looking back yesterday, Mississippi State played Arkansas Pine Bluff at Duty Noble, played an 11 o'clock ball game in the morning. Let me tell you this. I know it's tough for folks to get off work, and I know when you buy season tickets, you want to have the opportunity coming into every game. I understand all that, and so I take that into account when I make this statement. But to me, that was awesome. Played at 11 o'clock in the morning. We were done about 1.30, 2 o'clock. That was better than playing a 6 o'clock on Tuesday night game against Arkansas Pine Bluff. Arkansas Pine Bluff had to love it. They had to get up at like 5 o'clock yesterday morning. You know, they get back at a decent hour. I'm all for midday baseball. <laughs> well. A few times a year. I'm not talking about doing it every single midweek, but I'm talking about just – now, you didn't like it because you had to work. And so you missed the game. Yeah, and so not everybody just gets to walk across the street at their leisure and go watch a game when they choose to. But I'm a big 2 o'clock guy. I'm more of a sneak out early from the office guy. I'm not a huge leave, come back to work guy. But that being said, here's what I do like, getting a game in. I, I like the fact that Mississippi State is, over the years, I think this is one of the things probably doesn't get talked enough, is the relationship and the working ability that Mississippi State has with their meteorology department. You know, Mississippi State, one of the best meteorology schools in the country. And they have done a really good job finding a sweet spot to play games. You wouldn't have got that game in last night. And so you got a team traveling over. Right now, we needed to play. And you can say, look, that wasn't a great quality opponent. That wasn't. But we needed a win. We needed to hit the ball. Okay, I think of Coach Ronald G. Polk, who still types his typewriter, who has the flip phone. 
back in the days when he was a coach, before the Twitter world, before social media, Facebook, whatnot. And he gives me you know, a hard time all the time saying, if you would just get off of all that junk, your life would be a lot better. And I agree with him in some ways because his, his life is very simple. He comes to the ballpark. He goes to McDonald's in the morning. He reads his paper. He smokes his cigar. And he thinks he's multitasking. But back in his day of coaching, you could not have done what we did yesterday. You could not have gotten it out to the masses the day before and said, hey, we're going to play an 11 o'clock game in the morning because you'd have to put it in the newspaper because that was the only media outlet. That is one of the good things about today is you can kind of move things around. Now, I know it's tough for somebody who's wanting to drive from Jackson or drive down from Memphis trying to get an idea of a game, and we need to put that out quickly. But sometimes with weather, you don't know unless it gets within the 24-hour window. So being able to move that, like you said, Charlie, you're able to get more games in. Well, and let's be honest, how many people are going to drive down for Arkansas Pine Bluff anyway? Exactly. And so get it in, get it played, and start getting ready for the weekend. We talked about other games in the SEC this past weekend, and LSU had that weekend against Maine where, look, Maine's not played outside. That was a batting practice weekend for LSU, 51 runs. This ought to be that kind of weekend for Mississippi State, shouldn't it? Yeah, Northern Kentucky, the team. Looking back at yesterday, and, and we try to overanalyze after three games and then after four. When you, you, know, you look at yesterday, Tanner Leggett leading the team right now in home runs. I will say this, Tanner Leggett has not been in the starting lineup, but when we put him in the games, he's played extremely well. Forsyth has been the starting shortstop. Jaeger has drawn the start at second. We've gotten a lot of different guys in play yesterday and then on Sunday as well. That's one of the good things about having kind of a blowout game on Sunday is you're able to get some guys in. Slate Offord had some at-bats yesterday, didn't get a chance to get a hit. Oh, he had a chance. Well, he had a chance. He just didn't get one. He walked, and then he took a, a, a fastball that was, it was right at the knees, a little bit maybe below for a strike three. But we've been able to get some a, a lot of different players in. i tell you what, Charlie, you start looking at all these pitchers, and I know we try to latch on to anything. I thought Pico Cone was pretty good yesterday. Yeah, and he's going to be interesting to watch because, look, somebody's going to have to throw from the left side on this team, right? And that's why I bring that up because we're looking for some more left-handed pitching. And the question then becomes, too, in addition to the freshman, where's Walling going to go? Where's he going to fit? And the the question for Walling has been from the day he got here, before he got here, can he throw strikes? Because he throws hard. He throws it from the left side. What Walked the first two guys he saw, but then – Came back and got around it. Yeah, got a ground ball, then he got a double play, and he comes out the next inning, he walks a leadoff guy. And it was one of those Chris Lamonis walks out to the mound. You know, Chris sometimes will walk out to the mound with a purpose, and he was walking with a purpose and holding up that left hand in a hurry. I want Pico Cone right now. For the most part, Jackson Fristo was pretty good. His velocity is not where it was last year at times. It looked like he kind of ran out of gas as the season went on. But here's what I liked about Jackson Fristo yesterday. He just pumped strikes. He pumped fastball strikes. He threw a slider okay. We're going to have to have Jackson Fristo. Oh, absolutely. And I think you can find whatever you want to in Jackson Fristo's numbers, right? You can find some room for improvement. Gave up a hidden inning against a team that's not that great. Gave up the home run. On the other hand, threw strikes, missed some bats now and then. I thought it was just the, a good outing for where he was. All right, when we come back, we'll talk to Jody Hurst, who played center field for Mississippi State in the late 1980s. 
We've got Ben McDonald later in the show. And then Charlie and I will get you ready for Mississippi State and Northern Kentucky. As we're talking baseball here in the midweek with our fine friends over at WFCA 107.9 in French Camp. Once again, thanks to those great folks for allowing us to be on the air. Chuck Bentley and Jason Crowder. And we're talking baseball tonight. You're listening to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. And welcome back to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. I'm Bart Gregory, along with Charlie Winfield. Time now for our guest line segment, brought to you each week by our friends at Country Pleasing Sausage. Let's talk to the former center fielder for the Bulldogs, Jody Hurst. But before we do that, I'd like to remind you that great Country Pleasing Sausage made right here in the state of Mississippi, the original jalapeno cheddar. Hey, I went to Costco the other day. They had it in Costco. They've got it in Sam's. They've got it in all the grocery stores throughout the southeast. Just you can't go wrong with any of that stuff. The pineapple and pork, the jalapeno and pineapple, three cheese, black pepper cheddar, it's all fantastic. Charlie, every time we grill steaks, every time we light up the grill, it doesn't matter if it's grilled chicken, we're going to put a stick of country-pleasing sausage on there. Don't know what kind it's going to be because we mix it up a good bit. You just can't go wrong with country-pleasing. We always know at my house. Because my wife is going to want the pork and pineapple, and I am a loyal, devoted jalapeno cheddar guy. And my daughter's big Cajun. She likes the Cajun style. So we have to do more than one. So let's go to the phone and talk to former Bulldog great Jody Hurst. Played at Mississippi State 1987 to 1989. And, Jody, appreciate you joining us today. Oh, I appreciate y'all. y'all running me down and finding me, and it's good to hear from y'all. Jody, Bart always seems to ask people when we talk to them, how'd you get to Mississippi State? I think for me, you know, thinking back on your career, a little bit bigger question, you were a multi-sport guy, if I remember right, had a chance to play some basketball. Not just how did you end up at Mississippi State, but how'd you end up a baseball guy? Well, I grew up a Mississippi State Bulldog. That's what I, where I wanted to go to school. That's where my brothers had went to school. And my first love was basketball. Uh, that's what I wanted to do. Uh, I spent most of my time practicing basketball, playing basketball. I went out for baseball when I was a ninth grader. I was pretty good at it. Everybody said, you know, go play. I, I think I was a DH on the ninth grade team. And at the end of the year, I just said, you know, I really love basketball. And so I, I stepped away from baseball and continued, you know, wanting to try to play college basketball. My goal was to play basketball at Mississippi State. Uh, I think John Brady and Stacy and Bob Boyd were the coaches back then. And, you know, I went to their camps every year. That's where I wanted to go. They recruited me somewhat. But, you know, I just wasn't quite good enough to play at that level. I went back to baseball after I played a summer. I played a little summer league team, and uh, we went and played in some World Series out in South Alabama, and I played pretty good. And a couple of baseball scouts come up and said, where do you play high school baseball? And I said, I don't. And they were like, well, you might want to play high school baseball. And so I went back out to baseball in my junior and senior year and did pretty good. Uh, Coach Pat McMahon came and watched me play. Uh, they didn't offer me anything. And so I was sitting there in the middle of June and I had basketball scholarship. was fixing to probably sign and go play at Mississippi College or maybe the MCC, the community college. And major league draft happened. And Coach Polk called me. They had lost an outfielder in the draft. 
and he said, Jody, we got a little scholarship to give you. We're going to, you know, take a chance on you. We hear you're a pretty good athlete. And that's kind of how it began. I wanted to go to Mississippi State, so I said, I'm coming. Talking to Jody Hurst. Jody, I look back, and so many people talk about you, and one of the thoughts that they think of is as a home run hitter because of what you did in Athens. That run that you guys went on at the end of the 87 season just to get into the SEC tournament and then going to Athens, what's your memories of that month and how everything kind of led to those big home runs over in Athens to get you in the NCAA tournament? Well, you know, it was it was an up-and-down year. Um, we were a lot of freshmen playing, young guys, and, you know, we were just learning the ropes. I think I started the year off that year just supposed to hit against left-handed pitching. And I think Tracy Eccles was, you know, he played against the right-handers. I played against the left-handers. And, you know, it just seemed that, I don't know, it just all came together in that Alabama series. And when we swept, I think it just kind of gave us some confidence in each other and uh, as a team. And, and you know, we go over there to Georgia, and, and it, it just happened that Derek Lopez was the pitcher again. I'd faced him earlier in the year. I had gained confidence in myself through the year, uh, through the year of playing and having that experience. And, you know, I just remember I got, you know, hit the home run off of him and that kind of put us in the lead for a little bit. And then they, they were ahead five to two or think or four to two. And then I faced Carpenter and I hadn't faced him. I really didn't think I was going to get the hit off of him. I thought Coach Pope was going to pinch hit for me because uh, he was right handed. But uh, Coach Pope said, you know, we're going to go with the hot hand and let me hit. And I happened to hit another home run. And, and then we got another, I think Barry Winford got a big hit or Pete Young. And we, we tied the game up, went ahead and beat him. And, you know, we just, we were just flowing with a whole bunch of confidence right then. Jody, you know, when I think back about your career, I think of that game in Athens. But also, I think kind of more globally, think about a guy who just covered a lot of ground kind of gracefully in center field, almost effortlessly moving. You deal with a lot of high school kids now. How much do you attribute kind of your ability to defend in the outfield to being a multi-sport guy, to developing kind of broader than just baseball skills and how much do you encourage high school athletes to do different things? Oh, well, we, we, we here, we, we want our kids to play, you know, every sport. We, we really encourage our kids to play football, basketball, baseball. Um, I think you can, you know, you see these memes and stuff out there. You see where these uh, approach the quarterbacks and stuff from the, in the NFL, how they all play multi-sports and stuff. It, it just makes you a well-rounded athlete. It, it gives you a break. Uh, from one sport to, to be able to uh, help your body build back, develop some different muscles, develop some different skills. You know, I, I just think kids should, should do that. I mean, we encourage it here. We want our kids. We see the kids that go play football, they come out to baseball, they're bigger, they're stronger, they're a lot more confident in themselves. You know, so it's something that we encourage here at West Lauderdale. Uh, you know, I, I was able to, to, to play basketball. You know, it just, it just helps your coordination and just everything that you do when you're able to play multiple sports. Talking to Jody Hurst. Hey, Charlie used the word gracefully, and I'm sure, you know, you've been back to the ballpark, and John Grisham wrote the article, and they, they do the video board, and John Grisham put in there watching Jody Hurst gracefully roam the outfield. Do you tell your kids, hey, John Grisham wrote a little short story about me one time? <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, my, my two keep me in check pretty good. Uh Anytime something comes up to me, my, my youngest will always remind me he can't do it anymore. He's old. <laughs> he's 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 old man about all that stuff. He keeps me in check, but 
you know, it, it was a, it was a lot of fun, and and I really enjoyed uh, you know getting my time play there, and it's, it's great memories. And you know, for that to happen, and him to write that in that book at that time, you know, it was just you know just kind of icing on the cake. So. so, what are you doing now? You mentioned West Lauderdale. You've been at West Lauderdale for a while now. Is that right? I have been at West Lauderdale. I graduated here in 1985, and then I. Uh, I went, you know, to state, and then I played about five or six years in the Tigers, and then I came back here. They hired me as a math teacher and a baseball coach, and and I have graduated now. I'm the PE coach and still a baseball coach. Uh, now I've been here 27 years now. Jody, I think back to the time that you were here, and I, I don't know that I've ever been around a group of guys who seemed as close as the team did. It seemed like you guys kind of had some unusually good chemistry. Do you still keep up with the guys you played with, and and how much do those contacts still mean to you? Oh yeah, we we you know I, my roommates were Burt Masters and uh, Bo McKinnis and Russ Mahan. Uh, we stay in touch with each other throughout the year. Uh, there's also you know with social media, uh, there's a group on there of, of the guys that played back then that text and stuff a little bit during the seasons and you know about things, and so I'm aware of you know, what all they're doing, and, and I think kind of involved with that a little bit. You know, and, and you run into guys, you see some keep up with guys through Facebook. But, yes, we were close. Uh, I think, you know, that we were able to, you know, I think the long bus ride, you know, whatever, riding 12 hours to Kentucky and all that, and, and just the camaraderie that we had, and, you know, living in the dorm on MacArthur up on the sixth floor. You know, it just it developed a special bond to all of us. Did you ever want to use that group to send Cohen a message telling him he didn't know what he was doing coaching? <laughs> not more than once or twice anyway um no. no so as you work with kids today how do you feel about kind of the future of baseball in mississippi we hear so much now about guys going around and playing perfect game and doing all these things what's the quality of high school baseball right now as you see it in high school teams as opposed to the travel game well i mean i think that, that high school baseball is really strong um you know, we, we, we played last night. You know, the kid that uh, we were playing the show, but they had a kid going. He was 87, 88. He signed to the college. Uh, we're, we're seeing more and more quality kids. I know that Starkville Academy and Jackson Prep and Madison Central, I mean, you're seeing some kids come out that are highly uh, talented and they're and going to some really big-name schools. I mean, how many guys now, you know, I see that are committed to go to Mississippi State in high school, so the, the college game is, I mean, the high school game is, is really good in Mississippi right now. Jody, do you get a chance to come back up here a, a good bit? Uh, I know you guys are playing in the spring at the same time, but do you ever get a chance to, you know, we, we see Bo McGinnis, and you mentioned Burke Masters. We'll see Burke about once a year, and Pete Young, we'll see him every now and then as well. Do you get a chance to come up to Starkville and, and go to any games anymore? Well, I, I really I like to. We, we try to come up to a few football games in, in the fall. I'm, I'm all seeing, and we always catch a few basketball games. Baseball's a little harder, you know, being that we play. Basically, we have junior high on Monday and Thursday. We have high school Tuesday, Friday, Saturday. <laughs> so it kind of puts, you know, only the Sundays available, and, and usually that's kind of my day to go to church and be with my family. Um Usually near the end, uh, if we don't make the playoffs and we're not pushing uh, this play and making one of the state championship, I try to get over to the SEC tournament, and then I'll try to catch some regional games, you know, if I'm, I'm able to work some tickets and catch the Super Regionals. But I try to get up there when I can, yes. Hey, great to talk I, with you. 
Yes, I appreciate it very much. Good to catch up with y'all. Don't be a stranger. I definitely, I definitely. We still think about you a lot up here. And that's Jody Hurst, former Bulldog, played 1987 to 1989. So many great memories, Charlie. You know, we and I, we've talked about how you kind of see the world when it's, it's the biggest when you're like a 12-year-old kid, and that was when I was 12. Jody Hurst was roaming center field at Mississippi State. I thought all those guys were, were baseball gods. And, man, let me tell you something. That guy could get after it in center field. Yeah, there were so many good players back then. And that 87 team is always just kind of special to me for what they had to do to even get into the tournament. You think of Mike Martin that had a big win on a Saturday against Alabama. Then Nelson Ariete comes back. Tracy Jobes, Tracy Eccles. I mean, you, John Mitchell. I mean, you could just keep going with all the guys on that team that just kind of still stand out to you. Barry Winford, we talked to him a year ago. Jody Hurst hit that home run in the ninth inning to tie it with Georgia, but then Barry Winford drives in Brad Hildreth to win the game on a walk-off single after Hildreth had been hit by a pitch. And So you think back, and that group just a really special group in my memory. Not just that group, but as a kid growing up at that time, I think about that position. I think about a Dan Van Cleve, and then you think about a Jody Hurst. You think about a David Mitchell. And I'll tell you why David Mitchell is a guy, too, that really is kind of special to me. What do we talk about so much today in sports in general, that guys don't wait their turn, that guys don't fight, that people want to leave? David Mitchell sat behind Jody Hurst and waited and waited and waited. And, look, I can't tell you how many times I would go by that stadium when nothing was going on and David Mitchell was out there running. David Mitchell was out there hitting, just grinding away for years, and then all of a sudden becomes a starting center fielder on a team in 90 that goes to the College World Series, and not just a starter, but a valuable starter. Yeah, we had some really good center fielders back in those days. And we've had some great center fielders in this program, but, man, let me tell you something. Going from Dan Van Cleve to Jody Hurst was about as good as it gets. Yeah, it's pretty tough to beat. So, Charlie and I will come back. We'll talk to Ben McDonald with the SEC Network right on the other side of the break. You're listening to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. And welcome back to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. I'm Bart Gregory, along with Charlie Winfield. That was a great conversation with former Bulldog center fielder Jody Hurst. Time now for a guest line segment. Let's talk to Ben McDonald. This conversation brought to you by our friends at Heartland Catfish. Heartland producing the finest U.S. farm-raised catfish you can find anywhere. They produce it and raise it in the Mississippi Delta. Heartland servicing a lot of great restaurants throughout the southeast and one of the best places you can possibly go for great fried catfish is Jerry's. It's the Igloo on Highway 49. Once you get past all the construction going down 49, it's worth fighting the construction. Well, that construction's just about done now on Highway 49, but you get to Florence, and you look on the east side of the road, on the left if you're going south, and Jerry's, the Igloo, fantastic catfish they do it right each and every time i've been to jerry's it's been unbelievable and it's right next door to country pleasing sausage literally they make country pleasing about 200 yards right down the road so i can get like all that in a quarter of a mile is what you're telling me that's that's worth noting i could i could hit up country pleasing i can stock up there and then i can go down to jerry's and eat it's a great corridor corridor 
You know, we've been hearing that word a little bit this week, you know, with weather, you know, like the I-55 corridor. Had to dodge a little rain yesterday. So let's talk to Ben McDonald with the SEC Network, of course, a former first overall pick and from the LSU Fighting Tigers. And, Ben, hey, I tell you what, it's crazy to believe that college baseball is here. We had a busy weekend around the league. You had some games you called down in Baton Rouge. We had the games here in Startville. Just looking around the league, is there anything that stands out that kind of surprises you about what you saw in the first three days? Well, I mean, look, if we talk about the SEC, you know, I think there was along the way there were some surprises in the SEC. You know, I think, uh, you know, Bandy, Oklahoma State, big, big series right away. I think a little bit of upset there. Oklahoma State winning two or three there. And, of course, Florida losing two or three to, uh, you know, Liberty has got to be a little bit of an upset, you know, and even, uh, you know, even Long Beach State, and I know they got a really good team. I did watch some of the game on Friday. They got a real ace on Friday night. Uh, just goes to show you the parity that's in college baseball again, and we knew that going into it. And, you know, you got to bring your A game every weekend because, you know, we said this years ago with the back chains and the roster limitations we're getting back into this year, it's just different, and it brings everybody into play, you know. But it's early, and look, it's mid-February, and, uh you know, you're going to have some hiccups along the way, and you got to figure some things out. And that's what this pre-SEC schedule is all about, is trying to figure out your weekend rotation and, and getting to find some roles down in that bullpen and really land on your starting best starting nine offensively for that 30-game grind is quickly approaching it. You mentioned watching that Mississippi State game on Friday, and we've talked about Luis Ramirez, a guy that pitched with a lot of sink, kept it down, and, and really kept Mississippi State hitters just kind of pounding it into the ground all day. And one of the questions that Mississippi State fans, a lot of them have is, man, is that guy a legit pitcher? You saw him. You see good pitchers every day. How does he stack up to you to arms that you'll see in the SEC? Well, I think it's similar, you know, but he did it kind of in a different way. The little bit I got to watch before LSU started playing. And, uh, you know, I did the LSU game on Friday night. But, uh, you know, in the analytical world that we live in now, you know, it's all about the four-seam fastballs and pitching up in the zone and missing bats. And as you guys mentioned, he kind of did it a little bit different way. He sunk it kind of old school and really stayed down in the zone and created a lot of ground ball double plays. But there's still a place for those kind of pitchers in, a, in our world that we live in now. I know we've kind of gotten away from that, but if you got a really good two-seam fastball and you can really sink it, I was impressed with him because he was able to land some of his off-speed stuff and plus counts and fastball counts, and he kept stayed off balance. And that's just pitching. I mean, that's what you call pitching. And he was able to do that. And, you know, here's a kid that had a good summer, a good summer last summer. You know, he pitched it really well in the summer and really turned the corner. And he's a little bit of a prospect, you know, for them as well, too. And that's a, that's a solid team, you know. And, look, you guys know this. I mean, you go from the hunter to the hunted, and that's what Mississippi State is now. Make no mistake about it. You know, you win a national title, and you're going to get everybody's A game every time you suit up and you put those cleats on. And that's what Mississippi State's going to figure out this year. And, uh, you know, I, I think that was a one-off in a lot of ways. I'm still really I'm, I'm bullish on Mississippi State just because of, of the returners that they have. They bring a lot of experience the State. You know, I love Logan Tanner and Hancock and Jaeger. Y'all have seen Jaeger a few times at transfer. And of course, Cameron James. And I know Kellen Clark got off to a good start before he's a He's a boy of mine that played travel ball with me for four years. I know he's going to end up, when it's all said and done, being a big part of that offense. And, gosh, I saw Landon Sims pitch, y'all. I'm telling you what, it's just – it's explosive. You know, I think it's even more explosive, it feels like, this year than even what it was last year, and that's a mouthful. And he makes that transition from closer to the Friday night role, and he was outstanding. So, Mississippi State's going to be fine. You know, they're going to be fine, just like Vanderbilt's going to be fine, just like Florida's going to be fine. 
talking to Ben McDonald. Ben, you've been around this game for a long time. And so one of the things that Charlie and I talked about the other day is the first weekend is the overreaction weekend for a lot of people. You know, the people especially that don't understand, you know, the game. And some people may be quick to say, hey, it's a long season. Don't worry about it at all, even though coaches do worry about it. And then, you know, you have people are you know ready to go crazy because you lose two games on an opening weekend. But this is not just Mississippi State. I mean, if you look at LSU who won three and scored 51 runs, you look at Ole Miss who swept three over Charleston Southern, when is the time? that you began to really get a feel of a team? Is it 10, 15 games? I mean, you, you played the big leagues for a long time. When did you know kind of what you had as a team? Was it 10 games deep in the season? Was it 20 games deep in the season? Because you know you just can't figure that out after three games. No, you're exactly right. And, look, I, I would even take it a little bit further than that. I, I think by the time SEC play starts and you get your first three SEC weekends out of the way, I think at that point you start to figure out really who you are. I think there's some good tests early, you know, like State had a ranked team, Vanderbilt had a ranked team. Those are some tests early to really show what your weaknesses are and really where you need to improve. LSU didn't play a very well. I mean, Maine tried hard, but look, Maine, first time they've been outside on the field since October, you know, you can't judge a team like that the first time they come down and get on the field. LSU swung it really well that weekend, but to be honest with you, the pitching that they faced was well below average SEC pitching. I think I can give you a little bit of you know, everybody in Baton Rouge right now is all amped up about the offense. I'm going, wait, let, let's slow down a minute now. I mean, yeah, they had a good weekend, but that's just one good weekend. You'll figure out who they are as you go through this process leading into SEC play and even your first couple weekends of SEC play, you know, and I see, you know, that's just the whole growing process and what the coaches have to go through to try to figure out who their best nine are and who gives you the best chance of winning and how you're going to attack this SEC schedule. When it comes to LSU's got a big game on Wednesday night. They go to Louisiana Tech, who we all know is a very solid team. They were a regional host last year. And, of course, they returned their entire weekend rotation, and they get seven of the nine position players back. And so that'll be a big test for LSU to, to, to play a quality team early, you know. And I know some of these teams go around and play some of these big tournaments pre-SEC schedule. That's a test for you, too, to kind of figure out you know, where you are and where you stack up and what you think your strengths and your weaknesses are. And then by the time conference play rolls around, you know, you're, you're running and gunning then. And not to say things won't change with your lineup or your weekend rotation as that goes forward as well. And so it's a feeling out process. And the idea is by the time you hit the second half of the SEC schedule, you've pretty well landed on your dudes and who you think will have those big roles for you down the stretch. And you make that postseason run is what it's all about. Man, I want to ask you about one of the guys at LSU. Look, you know, we know about Dylan Cruz, know about Cade Doty, and, you know, we know a lot of these guys, but Jacob Berry coming in this year, the transfer, this is, could be one of the best players in the country. First glimpse at Jacob Berry, what's your initial takeaway on him? Um, you know, I, we saw Jacob Berry at the College World Series last year, and we know the numbers that he put up. You know, I mean, I think he hit over 350 and, like, led the – Pac-12 and RBIs as a true freshman, you know, 70 RBIs. That's a big number for a true freshman in the Pac-12. And so when LSU was fortunate enough to pick him up in the transfer portal, you know, it added some depth to that lineup. Uh, I mean, you're talking about Trey Morgan and, and and Jacob Berry, you know, and, of course, Dylan Cruz, you know. And, look, this is only the second time in LSU history. They, I mean, this is three first-round talent 
in a lineup. LSU's only had that one time in, it, in its career. That was back in 01 when they had three first-rounders in the lineup. That's what you're going to see this year from LSU. Uh, it's three real dudes. And the beneficiary of that, of course, is going to be Kay Doty. And he really shined this weekend because when you have Trey Morgan, Dylan Cruz, and Jacob Berry hitting in front of you, that's what the focal points are for the other team. They're really going to focus on those guys. And I don't think there was one time this past weekend Kay Doty didn't come to the plate with runners in scoring position. You know, they were like every time he came to the plate, he had an opportunity to shine. And give him credit, he did that, you know. And so it's going to be a lineup for LSU that's going to be protected because there's so much firepower, especially – in the top half of that lineup. And let's not forget about Gavin Dugas. Gavin Dugas led the SEC in RBIs last year with 66. He's hitting down in the eight hole for LSU. And that was kind of the problem with LSU last year was the top four or five was solid, but the seven, eight, nine hole hitters were just out for LSU last year. And that's what Jay Johnson, new coach at LSU, is trying to do. He's trying to get depth in that lineup to where he can roll it back over to the top. And that's why Dugas is hitting down towards the bottom. And there's some interesting guys, you know, that are, that are in that lineup for LSU, too. And, you know, you could talk about, you know, Cade Beloso, who had a freak accident minutes before Friday night and he blew out his knee, and he's most probably out for the season. He tore his ACL. But another guy got an opportunity to step in there. Uh, Braden Jobert did. And, you know, he had a fabulous weekend. So when one guy goes down, you hope you have enough depth. Somebody else steps in there, and Jobert came in and had a wonderful weekend for LSU. But I would warn people, and I try to warn people on the, on the radio shows and even on the air the other day, this is still a young team that LSU has. I mean, you talk about, uh, you know, uh, Dylan Cruz is his second full year. You know, he's just a sophomore. So is Jacob Berry. So is Trey Morgan. You know, Kay Doty's only in his second full year, too. So it's a young team in a lot of ways. And across the SEC the last couple of years, guys, because of COVID, everybody got a year back because of a five-round draft. That's what we've seen. The teams that have done well and worked deep in the postseason are your veteran-type teams that have three- and four-year starters that have been out there because sometimes in the SEC and in college ball, experience trumps talent in a lot of ways. No doubt. And, Ben, we're talking to Ben McDonald. Ben, you look at the LSU lineup and how good they've been, and you would have to say LSU, Ole Miss offensively having all those guys back and LSU adding Jacob Berry in there. And then you look at Arkansas, the Jalen Battles at shortstop. You look at Mississippi State and having some of these guys back in the lineup. And then you look at the pitching. You look at Money, who was very good for LSU in the Friday game. You look at Mississippi State with Landon Sims on Friday uh, Nolan going for Arkansas, Derek Diamond going for Ole Miss. Those four teams are so similar. It's almost like they're looking for that second and third starter in their rotation. Charlie and I have been talking about this. As good as the SEC West can be this year, you could be in fourth place in the SEC West and be a top ten team. Do you agree with that? Uh, no doubt. I really believe that, you know, and it's unfortunate when you get to that because everybody's going to beat up on everybody. We know what's going to happen in the West, you know, and it's going to be – uh, some really, really tough series out there. But, you know, it's all about being in postseason play and getting there. And I always tell people, yes, it is a horrific schedule for everybody in the West to have to go over there and play the West. And if you cross over, like LSU, for instance, they get Vanderbilt, they get Florida, they get Georgia over in the east side. So there are no breaks. But what it does do for the SEC schools is it prepares you for the postseason. And one good thing about it, you look at it and you go, you know what? You can look each other in the eye when postseason play starts. You go, you know what? We're not going to see anything in this postseason run that we have not already seen in the SEC. There will be no better team, and there will be no better players at all. And I think in some ways that's a comfort factor once you get through that 30-game grind 
that you know you're not going to face anything that you haven't seen before. So a lot of ways it's, it, it's a good mix, you know. But thinking about this league and where it is this year, guys, to me I felt like the league was pitching heavy in some regards last year because we had Kumar Rocker, you know, we had Jack Lider, we had Hoagland, Casey, others around the league. This year, you know, LSU's unknown. They just don't have a real ace. I mean, they don't. Uh, I mean, there's been some injuries already uh, with some pitchers out there in the SEC. I know Blade Tidwell at Tennessee is nursing a short, a short shoulder. He is out. Peyton Paulette, the Arkansas Friday night guy, he is out for the year as well. And so it almost feels like a very offensive league to me in a lot of ways, other than like a Landon Sims over at State that's just outstanding. But Derek Diamond's been pretty good. You know, off and on in his career at Ole Miss, but he hasn't really shown it. Now, I'm not saying some aces won't emerge in there somewhere, but it just feels like a league of a lot of guys that have not really been starters and been true aces, you know, on Friday and Saturday nights. And so I think to your point, what's going to be key to this is everybody thinks they might have a Friday night guy, but who's your Saturday guy? Who's your Sunday guy? Who gives you the best chance? Do you have enough bullpen pieces down there to take your starter out in the fifth? and be able to do some matchups along the way to keep some of these very offensive teams in the SEC to kind of hold them down and give you a chance to win late. Ben, we've said it before, you're our favorite color analyst in baseball, not just college, but pro as well. What's your schedule like this year? What are you going to be doing? Are we going to be able to – I know, look, we've got this lockout going on. Are we going to get to see you on college baseball for a while? Yeah, look, I'm locked into college baseball for now, you know, and – you know, we're supposed to go to spring training and do some games down there. And you mentioned the lockout that's going on, and we all have our fingers crossed that they get this deal done here in the near future and, and the season starts on time. It's really four weeks you can get it done uh, if they get this deal done in the next, you know, five or six days. But if they don't, then you're going to see the regular season begin to get canceled, and that's where it's going to be a train wreck. You know, I lived it in 94 and 95. That's when I was playing pro ball, and it was ugly for everybody. And I'm hoping – that they find a way to get this thing done. But, yeah, I'm locked into the college game. I'll be doing some digital games for LSU. And then, of course, once SEC play begins, and then I'll be around the SEC doing games as well. So that's where I'm going to be. And once pro ball gets started, I'll be busy with the Orioles. I think I've got 84 games to do with the Orioles this year. So it's going to be busy. I enjoy that as well. But my heart is always and will always be in college baseball and be in the SEC. Ben, great to talk to you. Appreciate you taking the time. Yes, sir. Anytime. And that's Ben McDonald with the SEC Network. Hey, you know, we think of Ben now, and everybody thinks of Ben. My kids, when Sims and Julia are watching the SEC Network, and they're like, you know, that that guy's pretty good. But I remember Ben McDonald as being a show enough guy in the late 1980s. I mean, you talk about a big-time pitcher. I wish I still had it, because when I was a kid, I traded a Mississippi State baseball hat to Ben McDonald for two LSU T-shirts. At the SEC tournament one year. That'd be a good T-shirt to still have, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. He was, but he was a good dude even then. Like, this isn't this isn't a made-for-TV kind of shtick for him. He, he is just a good dude. Yeah, great guy. Big hunter. He hunts down in South Mississippi. He won't tell us exactly where. He's scared that we're going to come join him one time. And so that conversation, once again, brought to you by our friends at Heartland Catfish. Heartland, producing the finest U.S. farm-raised catfish anywhere. Over in Itabina, Mississippi, and the great restaurants that they serve that great catfish throughout the southeast, including Jerry's, the Igloo, down on Highway 49 in Florence. They do it right at Jerry's. Some of the best catfish known to man anywhere, not just in the state of Mississippi. So Jerry's down on Highway 49 in Florence. Charlie and I will come back. We'll have a final word. 
here on Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. And welcome back. Final segment of Out of Left Field presented by Farm Bureau. I'm Bart Gregory along with Charlie Winfield. Hey, great conversation right there with Ben McDonald. Great dude. Jody Hurst. Man, he's been a longtime coach down at West Lauderdale now. Enjoyed both of those conversations. Once again, we're in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Startville. And before we get into this final segment, once again, I'd like to thank our great friends at Bank First. Bank First, a better way to bank. Locations throughout Mississippi and Alabama. If you're in the market for mortgage loan, commercial lending, construction loan, anything you need, go with great customer service with our friends at Bank First. All right, Charlie, you mentioned it just a little bit ago. This should be a stats weekend. And now let me tell you this. When we say that out loud, and if anybody's listening that's on our baseball staff, they're cringing right now. When you start talking about how baseball guys are and superstitious they are, Hey, Bart, Charlie, don't talk this into existence, but this should be a pretty good weekend for state baseball. No, it's, hey, we're going to talk a good weekend into existence, right? Do do you need me to be negative a little bit? Do you need me to bring out the bad side? And talk about just how great Northern Kentucky is? No, I would say this. Here's what I will be interested to see this weekend. Last week, LSU faced subpar pitching, and they murdered it. Will we face pitching that is, look – no knock on the guys, not mad at them or anything, but this is not SEC-level pitching that we're going to be seeing. Are we going to be the team that can't stay back and is rolling over a bunch, on a bunch of 80-mile-an-hour ground balls, or are we going to have one of those batting practice kind of weekends? I think for me, that's what I'm most interested to see. What's a Norse? Isn't it like the Vikings? Yeah, it's got to be something like that, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. Northern Kentucky Norse, and they've got a like a Viking as a mascot. And so, yeah, Norse is a Norwegian language, especially in its medieval form. Norwegians are Scandinavians, especially in medieval times. Okay, so they are Vikings, essentially. Why don't they just go with Vikings? Well, I don't know. I may have overthought this. Why do you go with terriers instead of just dogs? Maybe they're a more specific brand of Viking. A whippet? Yeah, that's a bad one. I don't know of a whippet other than anybody at Kosciuszko. But that's another story for another day. Hey, looking around the league this weekend, Arkansas going out to – Round Rock, they're playing against Indiana. They're playing against Stanford. They've got a tough weekend this weekend. Alabama's on the road at Texas this weekend in the three-game series. Ben brought up a good point about how the the overreaction of the opening weekend is always either so, so good for people or so, so bad. There's never like a yellow. It's always green or red. He brought up a good point there saying you really don't know what you have until about the second SEC weekend. And that's when teams really begin to – you can kind of figure out, okay, this is what this team is. And sometimes not even that fast. You remember the Jake Mangum year? We started like 2-7 and seven in the league. Yeah, we were really bad. Was that the year we started 0-3? And, and then all of a sudden we start playing good down, down the stretch. So you just never know. No, you don't. We certainly – I think we can agree on this. We don't know enough right now – we know enough to be disappointed that we dropped two out of three and didn't win a series to open the year. But we don't know enough to start panicking. The other thing I think we do know, and it reinforces something we've seen before, Chris Lamonis will make changes, and we're seeing them already. Now, how long are they? That remains to be seen. But he's not just sitting there just kind of waiting on things to magically change. He's pushing some buttons. Push some buttons and put Drew McGowan in the outfield. He responded with a couple hits in the Sunday game. Started in the game on Tuesday. That's the thing, too, is if you get in and get an opportunity 
and do something well, he's going to leave you in the lineup. you got a chance to play your way into the lineup and stay in the lineup. And that's so healthy for me in terms of keeping your team engaged because he has demonstrated that time and again. If you practice well, you're going to get to play. And if you take advantage of your chances, you're going to keep playing. I think probably more so than any coach, this is just not a guy that plays favorites. Not at all. Hey, we're going to have to do some digging for our deep dig. Our deep dig tomorrow, our Thursday deep dig, brought to you by Trax Plus. Trax Plus with four locations, three here in the state of Mississippi. You've got the original down in Hickory on I-20, the Hickory exit, and then between Starkville and Columbus on Highway 82, Summit, Mississippi, and then down in Alexandria, Louisiana. Tracks Plus, that great Saney equipment. I was talking to somebody the other day who just got a Saney excavator. They said, man, I love this thing. Barco, if you're in the logging world looking to do a lot of mulching, that Barco equipment's fantastic for the Forester. And then right now, Massey Ferguson at three of the locations in Hickory and Summit and Alexandria, Louisiana, you can get great Massey Ferguson tractors and implements. So go by and see our great friends at Trax Plus. So we'll be back on Thursday. That'll be tomorrow. We'll talk about Mississippi State and Northern Kentucky. Back again on Sunday Coffee. And then still trying to find the name for that Monday show when we break down the entire SEC weekend for Mississippi State and teams around the southeast. Once again, thanks to our great fine sponsors, Farm Bureau, go with a home team at Farm Bureau, Country Pleasing Sausage, Heartland Catfish, Tracks Plus, and our good friends at Bank First. For Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory. Appreciate you guys listening to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau.